Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Hey, this is Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode 105 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thank you for making this a part of your OCR training routine. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 105. Wanted to let you know a little bit about the sponsors for this podcast. You may have heard the interview I did with Dr. Robert Wolf a few episodes ago. He's the co-founder of The Amino Company. The Amino Company makes high-quality essential amino acid supplements. Obviously, getting protein in whole food sources is ideal, but not all proteins are created equal, and some of us need certain amino acid profiles uh, compared to others, and that's exactly what the amino company does. They formulate their amino acids to help target specific needs like brain function, liver function, muscle repair. Uh, So all really cool things. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely make sure you check it out. But using products like the Amino Company is a great way to help improve training performance, increase muscle repair uh, and recovery, and really get everything that you're trying to get out of your workout and really aid in the nutritional habits that you're already following, hopefully. So if you want to check out some of their products right now, you can get 30% off your order when you visit aminoco.com and slash OCR and use the discount code OCR at checkout. Checkout. I also want to let you know about uh, IcePod, the IcePod Pro. This is something that I've really been loving and using two to three days a week uh, as part of my recovery routine. I know ice baths have becoming uh, are becoming incredibly popular, and now companies like the Pod Company has made this incredibly easy to do and affordable. So, uh, really, no excuse in getting your ice bath set up uh, in your backyard, garage, or wherever you might want to do it. Uh, I feel like there are just tremendous benefits to cold plunges, both on the physiological side and aiding with recovery and even boosting performance, as well as the psychological side and just getting you to do things that are a little bit uncomfortable. If you want to get $10 off your order from Pod Company, like their IcePod Pro, go to the show notes. I have a, a special affiliate link you follow that link, you can save $10 off your order. All right. Well, I've been on a little bit of a whirlwind. I feel like uh, every week for the past month or so has been a little bit crazy. So I'm hoping that I can uh, spend the next couple of weeks catching up a little bit. I actually just got back from Seattle teaching the uh, FMS level one and level two course. It was an awesome, awesome course with uh, a great group of, of trainers and therapists and, and going through the functional movement screen and all that fun stuff. So uh, got back late and now I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, to catch up a little bit this week. Uh, on top of that, the week before, uh, my wife and I were in New York for some fun and a wedding, which was a uh, I wish I could say relaxing, but being in, in Manhattan and running around and, and living it up is is not really a, a traditional relaxing vacation, but definitely fun. And then the week before that, we hosted our final DECA event at my studio um, for 2023. And as always, it was just such a, a fun, fun time. And the really cool thing, we we were actually the 
1000th DECA event that's been put on. So it was a really cool honor to be a part of that big celebration. And as always, it was it was fun. We had uh, great competitors, uh, those that were there, you know, this was a, a lowest chance qualifying event, trying to qualify for world championships and, and move up that list. And I know quite a few individuals were able to to PR and do that. Um, we also had a lot of first timers who were out there just wanted to check it out and, and see what this was this sport is all about. And then those that were just hoping to beat beat their previous time. So we got to do the Deca Strong and the Deca Mile and saw some some great things there. So uh, one of the things we saw, and I'm going to talk about it in today's interview, was uh, the fastest Deca Mile team time uh, put out at least as the as of this recording with uh glenn race and aaron nolan and i figured what a cool thing it would be uh to get them on on the podcast and talk a little bit about their training mentality you know kind of how it evolved from a little bit more traditional ocr type uh, events like spartan racing and then moving into kind of this hybrid world so uh, i invited both of them on so we have a, a joint interview in today's episode and uh it was just great to really pick their brain they've they've come to our events uh pretty consistently so we always get to see some great performances by them and and to see them combine and join up for a team was was really cool to see just how fast uh, uh some of these uh zones can be completed and and how hard these these two were willing to push themselves so we had great conversation talking about training you know their strategy what what were they were thinking? How they altered their plan a little bit when they were in the middle of it. So hopefully, if you're um, planning on doing teams, uh, they have some good good tips in there for you. And if you're just looking for different ways that you can train for these type of events, they they share some of their strategies that they use that have made them uh, some of the best competitors in in this sport. Really. And now this uh, podcast can be a little bit different. I. I this was a great interview and I really wanted to get out quickly. So uh, for today's episode, it's just going to be the interview that I did with Aaron and Glenn. And then in my next podcast, I'll get back to some of my regular segments. But for today, I hope you guys really enjoy today's interview with Aaron and Glenn. All right. Today in my interview, I have not one but two very special guests. Uh, if you check out the DECA Global Leaderboard, you're going to see both these names both these names among the fastest times for the Strong, Mile, Fit, and Teams. Uh, today, I wanted to welcome Aaron Nolan and Glenn Race. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Great. Awesome. So I got to witness uh, the fastest mile teams time that's that's been posted this year, which was pretty amazing between the two of you. So I'll... Um, I'm super excited to have both of you on, talk a little bit about, um, you know, your thoughts, training, experience, a little bit of everything to to help some of our listeners out, out whether they're trying to improve their deck of time or other kind of hybrid race or or just, you know, more traditional OCR and Spartan races, things like that. So, Glenn, I wanted to start with you. Uh, first off, what do you do when you're not, you know, kicking ass uh, with OCR? And then how did you kind of first get into OCR? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, well, um, when I'm not doing OCR right now, I'm not training. Um, I live in Temecula, California. Uh, just married and have five kids. Kids age range from two to 14. So between working as a mechanical engineer full time and uh, 
and luckily get to work remote. So that uh, opens things up uh, schedule wise, but then also uh, got the kids all doing sports throughout the week and uh, yeah, just uh, keeping busy with those things. Uh, and so that's currently a little brief snapshot of uh, kind of what fills my time these days when I'm not training. But uh, as far as what got me into OCR initially was I started in 2013. Um, well, I guess I was into just like road running since um, I getting out of college in 2001 in Santa Barbara. And I wanted something to do besides um, to kind of keep me busy when I'm not surfing. And I was starting my engineering job and just sitting around all day. So I wanted just to get up for some runs here and there. And it started getting into getting into road 5Ks and half marathons from like 2003 till 2013, that 10-year chunk. Just kind of built, just uh, started with 5Ks and got to some marathons and half marathons. We're just trying to slowly trying to figure out how to do the running thing, building up an aerobic base, um, ended up getting 5K times in the mid to low 15 minutes and had like a 113 half marathon. So got to that level of fitness. And suddenly I heard about in 2013, that was kind of 10 years ago. And that was 10 years from getting into running. I heard about this thing called American Ninja Warrior. And I, my friend and I, we submitted it. He helped me submit a video and uh, I got in luckily. And so then in 2013, I really started transitioning to thinking, oh, wow, this uh, obstacle thing is kind of fun. So I got into doing these grip strength obstacles for Ninja Warrior and had a pretty weak uh, run at the event in Venice. Uh, but they, it's still funny to watch it on YouTube because they, they put it up. It's one of the ones I wasn't highlighted on the show, but. Uh, it's just funny to see the way I went about it very methodically and slow. <laughs> and, uh, but it's fun to look back and that's 10 years now. It's crazy. And, uh, but I tried to get on that ever since uh, the next two years, never made it back on the Ninja Warrior, but I had the bug, the desire to kind of the itch to get into more obstacle racing. And I saw that Spartan racing was a little more um, accessible. And so started diving into doing that. And I saw that Spartan is one of the obstacle races that actually gives some prize money. And that's kind of how I've always been like, well, if I have an incentive, I'm going to go for it. So I kind of transitioned from road running in 2013 to do some more obstacle racing. And I did my first Spartan race in uh, the end of 2013 and got on the Spartan pro team in early 2014. And then that gave me more incentives um, to just continue that pursuing, uh, the niche of not just running, not obstacles like the Ninja Warrior, but the, the hybrid mix of obstacle training. So from then on, I for the next eight years or so, I just did all Spartan training and continued to be able to ramp up my volume, learned a lot. It's similar to running in that just kind of also had the extra um, try to grow the skill set of all of the obstacles and to be proficient and to run well after doing a sandbag carry and do a lot, get into a lot of hill training and um, hill running. And there's not much near here to Mecula where I'm at now, but you kind of do the best with what you have and find the inclined treadmills and whatnot. So that was my life for quite a lot the training life for me for about eight years. But then the last couple of years now, I started really getting into um, 
a year and a half, got into the uh, DecaFit and doing that type of really hybrid training where I, I feel like it's best described because you compared to obstacle racing where VJ's described it as obstacle racing with Spartan is mostly running. And then the obstacles is a little bit of a break, like the sphere throw. It's quite a break. You're aerobically, you're cooling down. Your heart rate's actually cooling off while you're doing most of these obstacles. And that's kind of a good way to put it relative to now in hybrid racing, these obstacles, which they call them zones are actually almost harder than the running part, depending on how you want to structure it. So a lot of the obstacles will actually take a lot more out of you. And then you're doing what's truly called compromised running, running at that point for all your runs after the first couple runs. It's you're really going at a much slower pace than you would if you, let's say your typical 5k pace. So um, getting into this new world of like how to really train this well and how to work on these obstacles and zones that they have now has been a fun new pursuit. And it's kind of exciting for me as kind of, doing Spartan for so long, done everything from stadium, short racing, I even did the 3K in Big Bear the earliest year, to doing 24, I've done three different 24-hour long races, some relay, and I've done the Iceland and Sweden myself. So I've gone through the gambit of like the different types of races you can do within Spartan and obstacle racing. So go, diving into this and having Yancey start up this new wing of Spartan that gets you really into the uh, hybrid world has been kind of fun and refreshing and exciting starting. I mean, last year I turned, I was 42. So getting into it, into my uh, master's years, uh, hasn't been too much of a problem. I'm certainly uh, not as, don't have some of the leg speed as I did 10, 15 years ago, but it's still fun to be able to be competitive at this level. Like you said, Mike, just uh, Aaron and I being able to push the envelope and get some uh, decent times um, on your deck a mile course. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey this past year working with done, I think, at least four deck of miles at your gym, at, um, San Diego Premier Training and uh, been, uh, yeah, battling Aaron ever since. And uh, I feel like I've had the edge on you, Aaron, ever since uh, these last couple of weeks ago when you took me down at the deck of mile. And uh, yeah, it's very fun having uh, a couple guys like you and John Clark, and a few other Masters guys really uh pushing the limits and you guys have a couple of years on me too so it's actually inspiring to see uh see you guys still crushing it at uh in the 45 to 49 range and i know clark's turning 50 this next year so uh yeah i'm actually a uh yeah you make me feel young so thanks a lot aaron <laughs> i mean it's it's awesome on my end to you know you guys uh, coming out and seeing seeing what you do over the last couple of years and and you brought up some great stuff that I definitely want to to pick both your guys' brains on on training because it is it, this is different, right? It's not a it's not a traditional obstacle course run. This is something totally different. So um, it'll it'd be great to pick your guys' brains a little bit. And uh, actually, I didn't know I I just was you know doing some research and I didn't realize you were on American Ninja Warrior. I did find your video. I'll make sure to post it in the show notes for this this uh, nice. episode so everybody can see. See your pace. It's a little different. Your pace for the court for that, and uh, watching you run a deck a mile. So, um, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> uh, Aaron, so same thing. Uh, what are you doing when you're not training, and uh, and how did you first get into it? Um, so when I'm not training, I'm similar to Glenn. I, I have five kids, um, three step kids, uh, future step kids. I'm engaged, uh, and two uh, two daughters of my own, and um, I work as a therapist, a social worker, and as therapist. 
And it gives me a certain amount of like freedom, flexibility to uh, find time to train. I definitely enjoy running. Uh, love working out. It's one of my best stress relievers, but also I just look forward to it because it's, it's fun. Um, as far as like my background, I, I, I'm, I would say I'm a kind of an eclectic athlete. Like I like tennis. I grew up, my first sport was a uh, T-ball, but then I wasn't very good at baseball. So I, I gravitated mm-hmm. to basketball, uh, pickup games. And then in high school, I swam and played water polo, joined the military at 18. And that's really where I found running and started doing some five K's and stuff like that. Nothing serious, but I, I really enjoyed running, especially with, with the military schedule. Cause it's not always, um, it's not always time to go to a gym or what have you. If you're working in the middle of the night and then kind of going circling back a little bit, uh, to when I was in high school, uh, on the swim team, I at a swim banquet at a person's house. They were, they had a video of the Hawaii Ironman of a uh, Polly newbie Frazier, which Glenn, you might be familiar with this video. Uh, of her breaking down at the end of the Ironman. And um, it was just so inspiring to, to kind of conceptualize what people are capable of doing. So somewhere around that age, I went from sports as being fun as, as really enjoying the idea of pushing myself. Um, I was never really great. I still am not really great at anything, but I like the challenge of seeing if I can get better. And so I started doing triathlon. Uh, but something I've learned is I've done ultra runs. I'm not a very long-term athlete. Marathon, I don't do very well. Somewhere after like two hours, I just start to kind of fall apart. And I can hang in with grit, like doing a 50-mile run or something. But I kind of fall apart. And so I don't enjoy it as much, even though I enjoy the grit of it. So as I've gotten older and I've done all these different things, the thing that's been constant was running. And then about, I would say about six years ago, seven years ago, I went from running to more like trail running specific. Uh, hills in the local San Diego area and got into Spartan racing in 2017. That was so much fun, you know, where I could use a little bit of my strength uh, and my running. I was never really great at it or anything, but, but I, you know, I've, you know, pushed myself. I came, started training in 2017. It's a great memories. And, um, but I would say that was the beginnings of the, what learning what a hybrid athlete was, um, which I I basically say it's a combination of cardiovascular activity and strength. Um, and high rocks is a great example of that. And high rocks is different than DECA, but so are, are like some of these stadium courses where there's a lot of stairs and there's, there's, you know, climbing obstacles. Um, so I, I differentiate from Glenn a little bit in the, in the way that like, I don't get a break on the obstacles. I know, you know, like the monkey bars, those will jack my, my heart rate up, you know, uh, Z wall, I get super amped up on that one too. And so I, I, I've kind of learned how to do that. And the transition from one of the things I really like about uh, DECA and, and, and uh, high rocks is it's more fitness oriented. And so uh, along the way of me, like my own athletic journey, I'm really a fan of the sport. Like I love Olympic sports and exercise physiology and, you know, some of the stuff you've, you've shown me about like uh, flexibility and uh, how, training philosophy like threshold training versus vo2 max i'm I'm, i love vo2 max theory um mitochondria something that is amazing you know and uh those type of things and and so the idea is is the more that i know about those things and i practice them i can actually improve my body so last year i'm not trying to be boastful but i would never have thought this possible i ran my fastest mile i'd ever run at you know 43 to me that's pretty cool 
I, and I would never have thought that was possible when I was 37. When I was 37, like breaking five minutes in the mile was like, no way. And, and quick side story. When I was, um, I think I was 36, give or take, I'm, I'm going to grad school at Cal State San Marcos. And, and Glenn knows where I'm going with this. And uh, I would wake up in the morning early before school and I would, I would run on the track. And so one day I'm running on the track and there's this dude there who's running on the track, you know, at 530 in the morning. And he's also doing sandbag lunges in between intervals. And I'm just like, who is this guy? And around the same time, I was watching the Spartan National Championship Series on uh, on NBC. And it's like, that's Glenn. And he was doing these crazy reps after he was doing the lunges. And I was just so impressed by it. So that's my first introduction to Glenn, uh, you know, up close and personal. And so we have a nice little bit of history. But but the idea is, is that's the kind of idea, right? How do you run fast after you do a lunge? How do you run? Fa- or or the, be- the question that's on everybody's mind is, how do you run and do a hard assault bike, right? That's what everybody wants to know. Yeah. You know, how do you do that? And it's like, it's complicated. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, this is, it's all really interesting. And and one of the big things I want to ask both of you guys is you both kind of started more of the, the running background into obstacle course racing and now doing so well at these hybrid events. So um, Aaron, I'll, I'll just start with you. Um, what do you think the biggest change you had to make you know, when you were more focusing on the running type obstacle course racing, and then now going more towards the, uh, the hybrid, was it a, a drastic change in your training plan? Did you cut down? Is it just cutting down on running and picking up other stuff? Or, you know, what were some things that you started to play around with? Well, if I just go to the present day, which is where I feel like I have the best insights into my training, I'd say it's pretty dramatic difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would attribute this to John Clark a little bit, uh, also Jakob Ingebrigtsen, and also some of like uh, people on the, the internet, YouTube stuff, like really learning from them. So this is most of the stuff is stuff I heard about and then I adapted. So uh, one thing John's always been banging on me about is I do too many hard VO2 max workouts. And I think that there's a place for them. And I think they're also really, really extremely wasteful. Max workouts are oftentimes more counterproductive than productive. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't go hard, but you should go hard discriminately. So that's a big change for me. Like, I used to go hard twice a week, like really hard twice a week. Uh, running my threshold runs way outside, way above threshold zone, or just doing intervals way harder than I need to. So that's a big change for me, not doing, still doing hard stuff. I now do a ton of threshold work. So I probably do three to four threshold workouts a week, but I try to stay below my threshold zone. I learned that kind of from Jakob Ingebrigtsen and just that Ingebrigtsen, like do more threshold stuff, don't go hard, but do a lot of hard work. And then I would say about three years ago when I first, because I did one of the more earlier on high rocks when they were still doing 25 meter pulls and pushes. It wasn't the 12 and a half meter. And I really le- realized that strength training has a really valuable component. So I used to think like pull-ups would be enough, but now I'm realizing that like there's a really valuable place for things like lunges, squats, um, rows. Um, so I would say the biggest difference between then, which is a huge like benefit to me, is I, I run a little bit the same, but a lot more threshold work. And I incorporate two days of strength training a week pretty religiously. And I think those are the, the main differences. Before I would do, I would never almost never do strength training. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like, I always like when people bring up, it's not hard all the time, right? Cause 
it, it's it's hard to get out of that mindset of more is better, right? Just push as hard as you can all the time and you're going to get better. And maybe short term, you might see some something out of that, but I just, nobody can maintain that. So, uh, so Glenn, same thing. Did, did you see yourself making any dramatic changes from, from that kind of time in your, your career to now? Oh, you're still uh, muted, Glenn. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt it would it have noticed a big change because it, it kind of went from, okay, you'd be good on these obstacles. And so you want to be efficient at that to now it's, you have any advantage instead of not knowing exactly what obstacles Spartan's going to throw at you and what type of course and what the arrangement of the obstacles, you know, exactly the spacing between the obstacles and you know exactly what obstacles will entail these zones these 10 zones for zeka deca and um i haven't done high rocks yet so i'll speak specifically to deca but obviously it could carry over to both because they're very similar in their structure and their uh the way they're uh uniform like race to race so you can really dial in the uh your splits and your effort levels so that's helps a lot and that's i've altered my training because i've been big on um, many years on two uh, principles uh, when training for this is like um, heart rate. Actually, I still have it on me from earlier. I use this uh, use the armband because it's a lot more accurate than the um, the wrist on mine, for instance. Because I don't want to have a heart rate monitor that's can be uh, sketchy and not work some of the time. So I feel like I put a lot of value into getting the stuff that makes sure I could be able to um, accurately look at my heart rate, kind of like how Aaron was describing and make sure i'm at the right levels that i want to be um and also very i'm big into specificity so um, i think it's good to do simulations periodically and strategically um when you're periodizing so for instance if you're uh, many weeks out from a race you don't need to necessarily uh do a lot of simulations um and so that in that way it's the same where like spartan i like to simulate races and um um has have my obstacles set up in my yard and when i go to gyms or whatnot to set things up so in that way it's similar but as and in the heart using my heart rate monitor that's been another similar thing where i, I focus on that and if anything even more because you're all doing flat running when you're running downhills and you're doing certain types of obstacles um the heart rate is can be deceiving you're like oh i'm not working that hard running down a steep hill but you're getting a lot of muscle breakdown um and damage from the pounding on downhills but you know it's going to be very similar uh running around a concrete course for all of the deca mile and deca fit so it's uh something where it's um helpful to be able to go back and track and see um how your race went and how what the type of effort levels you put out and as well especially for training to be able to make sure not just on hard workouts um where you're going to really want to like push a lot of time on this threshold and i guess in a sense it is a similar idea where i think getting a lot of good a uh, lot of work i'd be the same as aaron we're putting a lot of work on threshold is pretty key and I guess that is relatively similar to the mindset I had going into Spartan as well. But I guess the difference would be then, because I've listed a few bunch of similarities in my training, but a difference would be that um, you, well, I don't have uh, a lot of the equipment. Unlike Aaron, I don't have a lot of the equipment at my house and I didn't put the, um, I didn't put it 
as much effort maybe as I should have, but like into like um, prioritizing that to have that at my home. So I'm kind of dependent on going to a gym and it kind of limits the type of training I can do because, oh, I only have a skier and a rower at this gym or that gym that I go to. So I have to schedule my uh, certain aspects of my training on those days. But um, so that has been a definite change and it's been a little harder juggling the uh, making it work because I do prioritize the specificity so that when I get to a certain spot, like a couple weeks before a race, I really want to make sure I'm putting some good work on um, these, like a skier or a bike, for instance, and then I could go right to a, a salt treadmill and really simulate it very accurately and which is very new. I would... And I guess the in general, that's the other thing would be a lot of gym work. I've never been a member. I kind of prided myself in not being a member of a gym. <laughs> Sorry, no, but uh, <laughs> in the past, because I'd be like, oh, I, I'm gonna save money, and then I'm just gonna train in the hills, and I'll make obstacles in my house. And that's great. Um, but more recently, I've definitely come to find a lot of value as my treadmills at home have broke and I, uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're totaled and I'm like, Oh, this isn't cheap to repair. And it's like, oh, I definitely respect the, um, amount of, uh, maintenance and wear and tear that a gym has to take into account when they structure their fees. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like there's a more value than I initially put in to, um, working at going to a gym and I go to actually two different gyms based on, uh, proximity and what type of obstacles uh, equipment they have um, here in town here in Temecula. But um, yeah, I definitely see those are a couple big changes I've made. Yeah. Um, so, it, and you might've kind of already answered this already, but let's say you were giving advice to somebody that they like bouncing back and forth, right? They want to run a couple Spartan races. Um, they want to do something like a Decker or a high rocks. Like what, how would you, what advice would you give them to organize their training? Because they're similar, right? You mentioned there's a lot of similarities, but they're different. So if I had maybe, you know, this month, I'm going to do a, you know, a beast and then next month I'm going to do a DECA, you know, would you have any specific advice that you might give to, Hey, think about this or that or whatever it might be. Yeah. As far as my two cents, it would be, and I'm no coach, but I do my own, um, prescribe my own workouts and I, enjoy kind of going through that process of figuring those kind of things out so yeah every and it, like you said if it's a beast then a deca if it's a deca fit you're like okay a beast would be two hours a deca fits about a half an hour let's say ballpark um wow i really want to build a good and you know you kind of if you want to be uh, strategic and really race for um, performance versus just fun and getting through it but as sure. for performance goes you want to mm -hmm. see look at the duration of the race and you want to make sure you're training, you know, I mean, gosh, build as much base beforehand as possible, right? Because for a two-hour race, that's so so aerobic. So you want to build a base. And then that can – then after the beast, the next month doing a DECA, then you know that, well, you have a good aerobic base. Then you just want to more um, – you want to just uh, sharpen for your DECA. And then those next couple weeks after a little recovery from your beast – um, you want to just get, uh, they'll use those last three weeks after recovery week to just get on some of those zones, um, and practice that. And then because you know, you already have a good base and maybe do some speed work to get used to the faster effort level and, some um, as much specificity. So 
on the concrete or do a couple of simulations those next couple of weeks. And also you always want to remember which, which is your A race. Let's say your beast is a B race and your deck is the A race. Then you want to, before your beast, you'll still sprinkle in the, an appropriate amount of zone work too, so that it's not like total surprise. And it depends if the distant time between your beast and your deck is short, you want to take that into account and hey, oh, you might need some recovery. And if you're training from long, slow hill to fast, short concrete, uh, you have to be careful, like make sure your knees can handle the transition. And um, I, I'm kind of going through a lot of growing pains myself having to start, oh, I'm going to, I need to go to the gym. I'm going to start pushing every day. And oh, I, last year I tweaked my back, my lower back, my shoulder. I'm 40. I'm not 25. <laughs> I have to yeah. remember I'm, you know, not, uh, 20 anymore so all yeah. those things taken into account not to shift training too fast or too abruptly is uh, i think important yeah. as well and i think a good point you were talking about too is you know the a versus the b and and maybe you just say hey if my, that beast was my b race maybe i'm not going to do that one maybe i'm gonna find one a couple months before or after my deck or you know something like that so you can <laughs> really focus so good points there um I, I know you have to leave soon so before you take off i want to ask both you guys so you guys put up an incredible team deck a mile time and i don't know if you want to share too many secrets but whatever you're willing to share <laughs> for our listeners you know what was kind of the strategy or the thought process you guys had going into that aaron you if you want to start, start up, or, yeah 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 go for it aaron and then i could uh finish up i'll try to be brief um because you know to support glenn's time but um but there's there's a, there's a little bit to it right like i think the main thing if you're going to have a good team or you want to have a good race, the strategy is crucial. And so in this case, even though I, I envy Glenn, I, I would rather be doing the running. It was more strategic for us for him to do more of the running. He's a little bit quicker than I am. Um, and I'm a little bit better on some of the stations. And the problem is if I, if I were to run, I wouldn't be as good on some of the stations. So I would say that's a, that was a big deal, uh, is kind of really being ready to go red line, but then, having a balance to who's going to do what and we did split up we contemplated splitting up the row but we found out that it was probably better not to do that we'd lose more time than we gain we did split up the skier that was savvy we split up the assault bike too so i'm typically pretty solid on the assault bike but it was better because if i went full gas for the whole time i wouldn't be able to do the subsequent uh stations as well so glenn did like the first 10 to 12 seconds and i was actually encouraging him to get off sooner because i'm like you still got to run man <laughs> and uh and so we we split up the burpees we split up the tank and we split up the assault bike a little bit and doing those things strategically was really valuable and and then at the end of the day glenn just had to run really fast i mean if, if you see the video of him running he's going full gas every single rep and i think that's you have to be willing to send it and you also have to be willing to be strategic and so the mis and i'll just add one last thing the mistake that a lot of people make is they send it too early or they send it in a place that they're not really able to do it so like some people go really hard on the row and i'm just kind of laugh i'm kind of like oh yeah good job you gained eight seconds you know um and you, and you just blew yourself up or or you go too hard on the skier i don't think you can go too hard on the step-ups or the sit-ups or you go too hard on the assault bike. If you go too hard on the assault bike, you could be wanting to walk at the end there, the mm -hmm. mile, or or even just barely getting the ball over your shoulder. So I think it's really important to pace strategically 
um, but also to send it when you know you can. So that's kind of my thing is I, I know I can go really hard on the assault bike and I can recover um, afterwards. I, I've learned that through trial and error. Yeah, you better because Glenn's running. You, you don't really get a recovery. You, he's back. No, he was, yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up, man. I was barely out of the row. Like I was having a hard time getting my feet out of the straps and he's already heading back. And I'm just like, yeah, I just went, I went all out on that row for the team, man. I was dying. Yeah. Maybe we should, uh, if that, if it's like that again, I could like do the first couple steps. No, I'm just kidding. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is fun. It is a fun thing though, guys, to like be able to, the way they have it set up with Yancey, it's all right if I'm a couple minutes after. And, and the way Yancey set it up, um, with the mile to be able to, and, and all of the events to be able to do this team like this. And it's, it's a relay, not like you both have to do the whole thing. You just mm -hmm. have to make physical contact. Then you go. And there's a definite excitement to that, which I did last year with, um, uh, with Kevin, AKA bubbles. We did a DECA fit team together and that was fun. It's even more strategic because then you could break the run because it's two loops for the 500 mm -hmm. meters, they break it into two sections. So you can tag team and do half the run. And I think there's a uh, strategy in that too. Whereas a deck a mile, it's almost a little easier. You don't have to think about splitting up the 160 meter run. It's just a real one person obviously just does it. Um, so there's a little less to worry about, but I do like, yeah, exactly what. Um, so I think it, my last two cents would be, it really helps to know your skills and your how you handle on all of the zones and the runs and then you aaron then knows how well he is on everything and then you combine that and you just kind of strategize that and we actually met up at his place uh the week or two before to really have a good feel for how we're going to do these handoffs and okay what does it feel like to do a run and then jump for me and to do uh 10 or 15 seconds of hard bike, you know, and then I only get 20 ish seconds because Aaron's a beast on the bike to recover before my run. And that hurt, that run hurt the most for me, even though I got some recovery, but it just didn't seem like enough. And so, but it's the less, it's, it's a good balance though, because they let, yeah. So we just like having those little tweaks were helpful because if he, it was like a, a bubbles Kevin um, guy who can do the bike in like 17 seconds, that'd be another story, you know, where it's like, it's not worth me transitioning just that five second transition, not worth it, you know, but then Kevin, you know, he has his weaknesses and strengths too. So yeah, being able to optimize that for us was good. And we made it a, a little, um, an audible on call. Cause I, um, I was only supposed to do the third back and forth on the tank but um, after Aaron like killed it so hard on the previous two zones on the bike and the shoulder overs, we found that it was helpful for me to do the third and fourth push um, lap on the tank. And then Aaron only did the fifth one because I was um, feeling a lot, a little more recovered because Aaron did all 20 of the shoulder overs at zone eight. Yeah. So it's really interesting. You don't know how it's going to feel that far in when we're like, did our practice thing. So it's nice to know, too, to say, have a plan B, right? If I'm starting to hurt, hey, I could take over an extra tank or you could do an extra, right? And I could have even maybe tried to do the fifth tank, too, because after he did the fifth tank, he was a little more gassed on that last run before we both had to do on that last run before the burpees. So maybe our overall time could have been better if I 
we did we play around with that too so it's a lot of fun being able to within one zone intermix a lot too so uh yeah love it and yeah. your setup at the gym was amazing so yeah awesome awesome thank you yeah and, and I, I mean if i remember I right the bike you get it in 40 seconds i think was that your your split for the bike around 40 it was something I think it might be faster than that okay yeah it was you guys weren't even there it was like i turned around and your lens running again <laughs> One thing I'd like to add is um, having a partner that has a real willingness to to, to suffer. Um, so that's one of Glenn's strengths is he does the, the practice and the participation. But both of us have a, a pretty high suffer factor. And I think that that is that that everybody doesn't have the same one. So Glenn is really willing to work. I was watching him and he just was working so hard the whole time. And so I think. You can't half-ass these events. If you're going to really max out, it's not like a it's not like a 5K or a 10K where you kind of get a rhythm and you kind of stay in your rhythm. And there's a couple hard sections. At some point, it's all hard. And and so I just want to say, like having a willingness and questioning your own willingness to go hard, or having a partner that like like choose your partners wisely. Like choose somebody who's like, like Glenn is <laughs> Glenn, Glenn. I have no doubt. Glenn will suffer just as much as I will, maybe even more. And I'm like, that's, that's legit. I have a lot of respect for what Glenn, Glenn was working, man. He would, he yeah. worked so freaking, he was at a hundred. I, I, Glenn, I know if you have to go, that's, that's totally fine. I, I just have one question okay. um, on, on yeah. that topic actually, because I think this is a really hard thing. And Glenn, and um, Aaron, you watched me do the, the strong and I was not willing to basically go there. It just, it blew up in my face, but I think that do you have any advice for people that are having a hard time getting there, like get, getting that uncomfortable? And is it just more threshold training? Is there mental tips, anything like that, that you guys maybe personally use that help you? Because both of you guys, you're right, 100 percent. You know, I've watched a lot of these races and both of you. It, I know you're not comfortable at all. Like you are you're redlining the entire time and and you do it. You, I don't think you ever back down from from a, a fight. So any tips for, for either of you guys? Yeah. Before I head out. Yeah. The, a couple of things come to mind. I think just having a good carrot goes a long way. Like having that incentive of a, uh, a, a race coming up or a time I want to hit and you have that in your head and you've kind of visualized uh, where you want to go with it. And you know, Oh, oh great. Uh, Rylan did a 1407 like crap. Uh, let's definitely, you know, let's let's um have a goal and you you know that uh, you know that you have a high bar in front of you so gosh you, you can't you, you know you got to give it 100 percent. and then and that that motive that helps to motivate and you have a goal because if there's no carrot out there you're like well hey whatever i do it's going to be a record or you know i'm not timing it anyway so it's no biggie but mm -hmm. um you kind of so you're kind of psyching yourself up for days or weeks beforehand knowing what the stakes are and the goals are and then while you're doing that training leading up to that obviously putting yourself in that position and that's where the training and the simulations come in because you're like oh crap i've had this feeling and it really hurts and uh but i know that's how it goes and i know i could handle these paces because the training has justified it look i've hit i track my heart rate i track specifically where i'm at when i'm doing different levels of thresholds at 80 to 85 percent of my max 85 to 90 percent of my max and i track those numbers so i can know where the appropriate amount of level of uh like 
the uh, effort I should be putting into any given workout so that I could max out when I do get to a race and you aren't injured. So I think those that combination of really um, tracking your progress and making sure you have one to, those one to two to three really quality workouts per week where you're putting yourself in that place where that pain and that, or, you know, the, where it just, it kind of hurts because you're going pretty hard and then you're not quitting. And sometimes they say, like they say with Jacob Britson and different pros, like that training is actually puts you in, it's actually harder because <laughs> you're, you're training multiple times a week, every week, your race is only once in a while. So that's just, you're just yeah. ex- expressing your fitness, but building up to get to that fitness is the hard part. So uh, yeah. And that mentally definitely goes a long way for me. So Absolutely. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'm sure Aaron has more to add on, but uh, I'm going to jump off now. But uh, All right. Yeah, thank for, you so uh, much, Glenn. I appreciate it. Glenn, I'll see you soon. Okay, buddy? Yeah. All right, dude. See All you, right. Aaron. Later, Glenn. Take care. Bye. Is it okay if I respond to that a little bit? Yeah, maybe? no, I, I'd love you to. Yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep going. And, I, and I, I would like to respond to, I actually did disagree with Glenn a little bit on something that he said about the beast and the deca um i i think that exercise psychology is just as important as exercise physiology because how you again it's strategy it's not fitness it's, psychology is the strategy or the, the thought process of it and so if if you don't believe in yourself you're not gonna and i'm not saying that i believe in myself maybe more than somebody else but i've I've been scaffolding, right? I've done a 50 mile race. I've suffered mm-hmm. before I've done, you know, I've had really bad days and it didn't kill me. And I think that's the thing is the more times you go into a really hard place and you don't die. And maybe you feel the exaltation of like, Oh my gosh, this was like, I feel I, I did something so spectacular, whether it's a 15 minute, like when I saw Brian, uh, do, um, his, I think he went sub he went sub 14 or he went sub 13. I think it was sub 13. I can't remember exactly what time he got, but it was a goal for him and he was suffering, you know, and he wanted to go faster, but he was able to, to do that, whatever your goal is. And I think that builds self-efficacy. The more often you work hard and you don't die, you start to develop a little bit more confidence. And I think that builds over time. I, I think that, and I also think that sometimes people, they miss, they, they misdo it to where they, they rarely go hard and they go super hard. And it's so painful. They're like, I'm never doing that again. That's like the yeah. marathon thing. Like, it's like you don't run and then you do a marathon and you're like, I hated that. That was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't recommend that to anybody, but if you can yeah. slowly build up your, your, your psychological threshold of pushing yourself hard, like the first time I did a deck of strong, I think I worked harder than I did last week or two weeks ago. And I did like a 1430 and I was like, wait, but, it kept kind of coming down slowly but surely. And so I think obviously if you train smartly, the pain's not as bad. But that's different than having a high threshold for pain. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can go, if you can do it more efficiently and you have a high threshold for pain, now you're getting off the more, you know, better results. And that's good for your confidence or whatever. And the thing I, w- I want to disagree with a little bit about Glenn, and not not it's not a big disagreement, but if somebody was coming to me and they're like, what can I do to get better? I would be like, you know, probably need to run a little bit more for sure because mm-hmm. most people mm-hmm. aren't running enough. But I, and they said, I want to do a beast and a decade. I'd be like, that's not a good plan. It's mm-hmm. just not, it's just, sure. You, you're going to, if you're going to do a beast and a super, I could live with that. Mm-hmm. They're so similar. 
But at Beast and a Deca, you're talking about a 45 minute to 30 to 45 minute event, depending upon your skill level or 50. Mm-hmm. And then like a two to four hour event. It's like training for a yeah. marathon or a 5K. I, I would basically say like, hey, you know, maybe reevaluate your goals. And to that, I would say that the best advice I could give somebody is talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. That's the best advice I can give. Because I think, high, and I was just talking to John Clark about this two hours ago, is I think some of the feedback out there it's just not very good because hybrid's so new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, triathlon's the OG hybrid sport, and it's so different from what we're doing because we're truly mixing strength with deck and high rocks or other similar things. It's not like it's not like OCR. It's true strength and true uh, 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 cardiovascular. In this case, running. And so, going to somebody who has a little bit of a uh, an understanding that they could they could actually say to you, you know, you probably don't need your long run anymore. You know, you could satisfy, you could do like, instead of doing, say, two hours, you can probably get bang for your buck with like 80 minutes. And let's spend a little bit of time doing this. And then you get the mix up where it's like somebody's doing too much strength. Like, you don't really need a max squat. Like, you just need to get like used mm-hmm. to doing the movement efficiently. And that's yeah. the mistake I made last year, whereas I was getting so strong. And I was, it was compromising my running because I was like mm-hmm. so sore all the time from all these strength workouts that I wasn't running as efficiently. So yeah, I got stronger. I could push a sled a lot faster, but I was slower as a runner. It doesn't, it, there's no, it's not mm-hmm. a good uh, a- aggregate. And so the idea I think for me is, is I would really encourage somebody to be like humble and curious and like, Hey, talk to people who know a little bit more, definitely incorporate strength, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely incorporate running, but not, you don't really need a lot of hard running, you, but also you do need to run. So I would say like, that's where I, being discriminate, like I, I can't have the marathon and the deca strong. They're not, they don't really coexist very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you know one thing when I work with a client who has kind of big goals like this, right, where they want to run five trifectas in a year or whatever. And I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody their goal, but I'll always give my input. And it's first, let's milk it out. Let's look at the calendar, and let's say, okay, you're going to do a deca in January, and then you have a beast in November, right? Like, cool. We, we can definitely plan Absolutely. for this and and but if it's like well, all right i got a deca in january a beast in february two decas in march and then a lot of people start to fill this and um it, it's like you you won't be at your best right i'm not saying you can't do it if your goal is well i just want the i want i want to collect medals i want trifectas i want to say i did this you know I'm, who am i to tell you that's not a good goal but if you're coming to me saying i want to run faster or you know perform better I think first thing we have to do is reevaluate that plan because there's just a much better way to do it. And well, and and you could probably flip it too and just say, regardless of results, which one are they going to enjoy more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, imagine if they, you know, they, they were trying to do both rather than the 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 Deca in January and the and the and the Beast in uh, uh, November. If if they're if a person's doing training that's like you know able to be incorporated and adapt and it's a, it's a slow progression there's mm-hmm. built-in recovery they're probably not going to be the first off they're probably not going to get injured as yeah. often as likely and they're going to like start to enjoy the training look forward to mm-hmm. rather than being this kind of like masochistic horrible experience where they're you know, no a job right it's work right mm-hmm. yeah and i and i and i think that the people that oftentimes do better they have that quality of enjoying it too it's not just they're good at it Mm-hmm. they like look forward to it yeah and that's yeah. that's like that's in that that's gotta be great for you when you see somebody who's like really seeing results but they're actually 
happy and enjoying the results you know what i mean absolutely yeah and and i think it's so cool like you know getting to host these events like i don't get to race them as much as i want because i'm usually just stressed and exhausted from running the event but i get to see like prs all the time whether it's 30 minutes strong or like you guys putting up and for the record uh, i want to make sure everybody knows you guys run a 1406.6 but we can't we had to, they made us round to the nearest second. So I just want to throw it out there that you were 1406. Um, but anyway, I get to see these cool things and how cool it is when, when somebody finishes their last burpee and here's their time and that they do that because they've been training and they've been training specifically for this and putting in very specific work. And if you're just doing it to do it, you're just, you're not going to, Hey, it might just feel great to finish right around the same time every time. But I, to, to finish with a PR is different than just finishing, you know? Oh, it's that psychological aspect, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and, uh, you know, sorry, uh, real quick. You, you meant the psychological piece. It just made me think of, you know, it, it, I think they come together, right? Where your training builds on, like, kind of like you were saying, cause like going back to, uh, I was doing more, um, for the past, I don't know, three months, I wanted to switch up my training and I was doing more like heavier lifting, more not bodybuilding, but I was trying to put on a little bit of muscle and just, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't have any particular races I was going to be training for. I'm like, this is the time I can work on this stuff. And, um, you know, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do the race. So, but then it it almost built up excuses for me. Right. then I start telling, well, I'm not training for this. I'm not going to PR. I'm not going to do that well. And if even if I'd been doing some training, right, it, it, I feel like it would have built my my psychological confidence and, and belief. Like you said, like, I believe I can do this. Sure. Maybe I wasn't training as hard as I could, but I was putting in some time to get better. And I was just almost making an excuse for myself. Like, well, I didn't train for this. I'm not going to do well. And when it, and that's what I was saying. When it got hard and you you saw exactly when that happened, it, it I threw in the towel. Like I finished but I just couldn't dig deep and I didn't want to be there anymore. And I'm like, I'm going to finish. I know I'll finish, but you know, two minutes slower than, than my PR. And it's, is what it is. Yeah. And I think that whether it's YouTube or it's actually going to someone like you, or even like, let's say Glenn was coaching or what have you. um, And, and really listening to them about how to to not put it just on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. That's been so helpful for me to be an active listener to people. Because if you were to tell somebody that and you were curious and they gave you the response, well, well, what if you just, you know, approach that a little bit differently, Mike, psychologically? Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, yeah. oh, you know, what if, you, and then the psycho- psychological leads a little bit of the action, right? You start maybe making some different choices. And then you could, you know, it's not to say that like you'd be happier with yourself, but maybe you would have been happier with your performance and you would have enjoyed the process a little bit differently. For sure. And I think yeah. sometimes we, we get habituated in doing these things. And again, like I, I think people can get better, man. Like I think hybrid racing is first off, it's, it's good for your health. The the, the mm-hmm. evidence has come back very conclusively that I, I've been curious, but strength training is really good for your health. Mm-hmm. Now you don't, you only need so much, but it's still good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Physical activity, really good for your health. So when you apply that to also like people like to look good, people like to fit in their clothes, right? Yeah. People like to push themselves at all ages. It's like, this is a great sport for people in their thirties and forties and you can get really good and it feels good. You look like it's nice to have something to look forward to. Like imagine if you were looking forward to that versus like, 
what I, you know, you probably weren't really looking forward to it. Were you? No, yeah. I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. That's like literally the things I was saying before the race. Like, cause everybody's like, you race and you race. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, it wasn't yeah. like, yep, here we go. Who's, who's uh, judging me. It was like, all right, let's, let's get this over with. And, and, you know, I hate to admit it, but that's, that's how it was. But now look at, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, my training now, I, you know, I'm already flipping the switch. It's like, okay, I was doing that training long enough. I wasn't happy with how that all went. And I don't know when my next race will be, but I'm already switching gears. Like, okay, I did that long enough. Now I do want to be ready. So if you told me, Hey, there's a race in a month, like I can get on it. Right. And, okay. and be ready to go versus where I was before. And I was like, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, but it is what it is. So I, you learn, right. You, you do it, Absolutely. you suffer a little bit and, uh, I wasn't happy. So just going to turn it around and, and, and see how it goes. Totally. So, and hopefully people that are listening to your, what you're saying, you know, take that as a very humble, uh, like learning, like, like, a, like, and I, and I've definitely had very, like what you just described, I've gone through that almost identically with a variety of things throughout my life. And it's, it's like taking that failure, that suffering experience and really like incorporating it as a valuable learning lesson. And like, you know, try to remember it and, and, and not think you're above it just because like, you know, you've learned something that you could easily replicate that experience if you fell back into the old habits. So I, I, I think that there's something really valuable about you putting that information out there, this information out there, because it like, you know, there's a lot of people that are very uh, available to, to want to get better. For sure. For sure. Um, well, y- you guys uh, both gave a ton of amazing information and I know uh, anyone listening to this is going to really help if they take this to heart and, and apply some of the things, these things, but I, I've taken up a lot of your time. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, oh, for again. sure. Mike. I know you've done this before, so I, I really appreciate it. And uh, good, good luck to both you guys at, at Worlds. I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys can do. Oh yeah. I'm really excited too. Last yeah. year I laid, a, laid an egg, man. I, I had the, one of my worst races of the year. And so this year I'm hoping to like not have that happen again. So I'm, and I'm training, I've changed my approach a little bit because of that. So we'll see. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks again. See you, buddy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 105 of the OCR Underground Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this interview with Aaron and Glenn helpful with your training and obviously a big thanks to both of them for sharing their insight and and helping everybody out with their training uh don't forget to sh- check out the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode 105 for any special links check out glenn's run in american ninja warrior i post the video up on there and then also check out the great products from our sponsors the pod company and their ice pod pro as well as the amino company and all their great amino acid supplementations. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I will see you back again soon. Until then, keep training smarter.